0: A word that God gave me for this coming year uh, is the word complete and whole. Uh, uh, A word, two words. Uh, The first word he gave me was was wholeness. And since then, as I've been looking at that word, the word complete has come to it. So those two words, whole and complete, is what I believe that God has given me for 2016. It's a year of wholeness completeness, being complete spirit, soul, and body and in every way in our lives. And um, the message we've been ministering, uh, the, the root or the source of all fear that we've been ministering the last few services, uh, we're, we're going to do some more of it next year. Uh, and, and because I believe that this message is so vitally important, that, that we understand what the source of fear is. And we're able to go to the depths of fear that is in us and deal with fear in our lives. Because and and I've I've made several comments along this line in the last few services, but we we were we were not created to be afraid. God did not create us to be afraid. The source of all fear we find in Genesis chapter 3, we looked at it in one of our services, a couple of our services. We looked at it, studied it, went through it. But the source of fear is in Genesis chapter 3. And Adam and Eve were asked by God, He said, Where are you? And, um, and in other words, what are you doing? What, what are you hiding for? And He said, He said, we were we were naked and we were afraid in other words we were afraid because we were naked i believe that's where the first lie was cuz i don't believe that was true either they were afraid because they did wrong they sinned they disobeyed god god said everything in the garden is yours everything just don't mess with the specific tree. Don't eat of that fruit. Don't mess with it. And they did, and they hid themselves, and that's where fear entered in. And actually, what entered in, we, we have looked at that in these last few services also. What happened, the, the fear, and it's the fear that continues to remain in humanity, it's the fear of death. It's the fear of being separated from God. That fear of death is what, is what has bound so many people up, but that's where it began. And to understand the source of it, understand where it came from, and what to do with it, how to get rid of it, is something that is vital in our lives. We were not created, and I want, I want you to think about this for a minute. You and I were not created to die. And it's something we've got to get a hold of. Because society today lies to us about dying. Now, if if you know, most people's first thought when I say something like that is, "Well, pastor, everybody's going to die. Everybody's going to, you know, leave here." Well, you know, that's the problem. That's our first thought. Our first thought is about dying. We, we weren't created to die. God did not create Adam and Eve to die. Death entered in when they sinned in the garden. We read a scripture, out of, a passage of scripture out of 1 Corinthians 15 that says that death is an enemy to God. Death is an enemy to God. He did not create humanity to die. I've been in hospital rooms with countless numbers of people through the years who were towards the end of their life for whatever reasons. Many times through sickness or disease in their body. And I've never, I've never seen one person, no matter what their age was, that was ready to die. There were people that gave up because it was a tough fight. They went through a lot of things in their bodies and all and all. But I n- I've never met anybody that was ready to die. People fight it all the time. One of the biggest money-making industries that's the word I was thinking of, industries that there is today, it's not one, it's probably the, is longevity. Everything that, that, that is entailed in longevity and living longer. Skin care products. Things that you take, things that cause you, you know your your body to last longer, to your skin to last longer, everything to you know everything everything in the natural you know continues to drop, and everything that, that that's in the industry is to keep raising it up, keep everything from dropping, from sagging, from wrinkling, right? Well, if it didn't matter, why would we? Why would that industry be so big? It matters. Why? Because we weren't created to die. So, this is how I look at it today, okay? This is how I look at it. I'm 56, so in the natural, if I live to be 100, I have 44 more years. But I don't look at it like that. I'm in life mode, I'm not in death mode, okay? I'm not in the best shape that I've ever been in in my life, but I'm getting there. I'm working on specific things in my physical body, but I'm not working on it so I don't die. I'm working on things because I'm convicted by God to do certain things, to not eat certain things. So I'm in life mode. I don't hurt anywhere in my body, not anywhere. There's times my lower back will get sore or whatever, but I know things to do to get rid of the soreness. And the first thing is speaking over my body. I just speak life all the time. I don't speak death. I don't think about dying. I think about living long and living strong all my life. I just think that way, okay? I'm I'm not in denial. See, we're so busy thinking about dying that I think some people forget about living. And the reason is, is because of fear. It's the fear of death. And it entered in in the garden... And to not understand that source and admit to that in our lives causes us, it causes us to think along the lines of sickness and disease and death. We think along that line. What, I, what I'm encouraging you in this, in this is don't, don't, don't get in some battle with anybody. Don't, don't sin, don't make an appointment with me and come in and talk to me about how you don't like what I'm telling you right None of that. Don't don't argue with people about this. I'm just telling you, if 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 you think too much, if you're too afraid of things, I'm telling you you can be set free of that because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. Because of the blood. Amen. See, he came for a specific purpose, and that was to give us life. And so I want to just uh, we, we, we preached the, the word I'm preaching this morning. For the most part, I preached on Wednesday night, but I'm going to do it again. I laid hands on and prophesied over a number of you on Wednesday night regarding fear. And all week since Wednesday night, all of those who I, I laid my hands on and I prophesied over you regarding fear, I'm telling you, that has been so strong. I don't ever any time that that the gift of prophecy begins to flow out of me, I don't remember the things that I said, but I've had about four people tell me some things that I said how it re, it really related to them in their life. And so everything that was said, I'm telling you, I've had great faith that fear does not and will not continue to have any form of dominion or control in your life. And you believe that. I'm, I'm in faith with you regarding that. And do not back away from that. Do not allow when fear comes. It didn't say, I didn't say fear won't come. I didn't say you won't have thoughts of fear. But when it comes, resist it. Like we talked about on Wednesday night, and we'll, we'll mention that again. Resist it. Resist it. Give it no place to operate in your life. Can you say amen? Amen. Psalm 34 and verse 4 has been our foundation scripture in this series. Let's just read it together. Psalm 34 and 4. David said, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all of my fears, not some of my fears. Not 50% of my fears. Not all fear except the real big ones. He delivered me from all of my fears. So, the deliverance that David got in fear is that David sought the Lord. In other words, David drew near to God. David began to understand God's ways and his ideas more and more. And then David was convinced that the Lord heard him. And when you're convinced that God hears what you pray, you have what you pray, because you really believe it. Amen? Um, we read a passage out of First John, and I want to look at that. First John chapter four and verse uh, 15. So, verse 15, and this is so important. This is absolutely important. I really, I I might, sometimes I might say, if you don't get anything else, get this, but get everything today, okay? But get this, okay? Get everything I'm saying today, but get this. Verse 15, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God. Have you ever confessed that Jesus is the Son of Are you born again today? Okay. If you're born again today, then He's talking to you. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. The first part of 16 says, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. God is love. But we've believed the love that God has for us. In the first few years of my born again life, every mistake that I made, every mistake that I made, it was very difficult for me to believe that God would forgive me for what I did. As time went on, people began to tell me that it was okay. God's not going to hold that against you god 's already forgiven you through Jesus Christ to begin to sink in a little at a time i made a I made a number of years back I made a real not good financial decision <clears throat> and it 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 hammered my brain it hammered me for a number of years i mean years i mean I, I thought I was over it, but then it would continue to come back and 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 work on me emotionally and and hammer me. And one day the Lord said, you don't believe that my love is bigger than your mistake. God so loved the world, He so loved me, He so loved all of our mistakes, loved us in spite of all of our mistakes, that He gave the best of heaven. God did. You don't believe that. Oh yeah, God, I believe. No, no, no. you, You don't believe it, or you wouldn't be going through mentally what you're going through because of this mistake. And it and the mistake was all my fault. It seems like at times in life, you look around and it seems like people just trip over things or success or things happen for them. And I, I feel like in my life I've made one really major mistake. And I was walking around feeling like I was being punished for that mistake. One really stupid mistake that I had made in the financial world. And I felt like I was, I, I was like carrying that thing. And God told me one day, He said, You don't believe that my blood that the blood of Jesus was enough to remove the guilt of that thing off of you. And you know what it was? It was a form of fear. Fear of man, fear of what someone thought, fear of this thing or that thing. And God said to me, you don't get rid of that, that thing will drive you down. It will drive you to destruction. It will cause you to not advance and be successful at what you do. And what it is, is it's the fear of death. And the word death we read in Hebrews chapter 2. Jesus delivered those who were in the fear of death all their, lifet- all their lifetime. They were subject to bondage. And the word death there means separation. They were afraid that their mistakes would separate them from God loving them enough to prosper or advance or be delivered or whatever it would be. He either died one time for all men no matter what, or He didn't. And today I'm telling you, there's not a mistake that you've ever made. Nothing in your life is bigger than the forgiveness of God. Now, I'm going to make a statement here that may go a little contrary to what some people believe, but I believe this is true. Um, The grace and the favor of God that Jesus produced for you and I is so there. The grace of God is so there for us. The forgiveness of God, the mercy of God is so there for you and I. And what it does is it positions us to receive the power to do what's right. But here's the thing. What you sow is what you'll reap. And seed time and harvest can appear to be pretty ugly sometimes. The grace of God will not nullify what you continue to sow. Because as long as heaven and earth is intact, so is seed time and harvest time. I'm going to say it again. The grace of God will not override what you continue to sow. Even though, it's there. It's available. And it's not just something that you can you know, get if you want. It's a, there's a power that's in the grace of God. There's, there is a power to overcome and to change how you sow or what you sow into. If you have unforgiveness toward a specific person and you've been battling it all your life, I'm telling you, The grace of God is front and center, ready, and it's there for you. The forgiveness of God is there for you because of the blood of Jesus. But if you continue to sow unkindness towards somebody that you're not forgiving, you continue to have an attitude toward those people, you continue to to, in other words, think about yourself instead of thinking about how to do good and do right in someone's life, then the grace of God will not override what you continue to sow. And it's something, like I said, there's times when seed time and harvest, man, they they look hard. It looks like sometimes that there are things that are happening in my life that, you know, God God just forgot my phone number. He forgot who I was and where I was, and why is God not coming through for me? Why are things not happening in my life the way I want? I mean, God promised all these things. And God, I'm doing this, and at least I'm not doing like so-and-so is, you know? At least I don't act like Fabian does. Right? At least I don't do this thing or that. I mean, at least I'm not like this person. See, we're in comparison with other people. But what continues to go on is this thing that we don't really want to deal with. And we continue to sow. And that sowing will not be overcome by the mercy and the grace of God that is new and fresh for you every morning. It won't be overcome if you continue to do it. Oh, it's there to empower you to stop doing it. But if you don't embrace it and learn how to work it in your life, it won't just overtake ugly things that we do. Now, why would I say that? Because the reason we do those things is because of fear. Right. You know that when we feel something and we have animosity toward another person, You know, a lot of times what is in the back of our head is that we don't want to be kind to somebody because we don't want them to get away with what we think they'll get away with. The only reason I know that is because I've done it. I don't want them to get away with that, so I don't want to be too kind to them because then they'll they'll get the wrong message from me, and then they won't do their part that they need to do not my job. It's not my job. I promise you, if someone else that you think is doing not good is doing not good, seed time and harvest will take care of them. Just like it'll take care of you. When I'm afraid of something like that, I won't sow the kindness, I won't sow the right things, okay? And so In essence, is God stopping something in my life? No, I am. We've talked about this many times. If you're born again, you're spirit-filled, you're a hearer of the Word of God, you've learned to be a doer of the Word of God, then you're in control of your future. And if you choose to embrace everything that God has done for you, then what God has set up for you will be your future if you do that. If you don't, then whatever else will happen. And a lot of times God gets blamed because of what we continue to sow and not learn how to get out of our lives. And it's all because of the fear that originated with Adam and Eve and that Jesus Christ delivered us of that we don't have to live under and be controlled by anymore. We just have to learn how to do it. We have to learn how to rid ourselves of fear and give fear no place. And how is it done? By learning how much God loves you. You screw up, you say something you shouldn't say, God forgave you before you did that. That's how much He loves you. And how much does God want you delivered of of acting like that? I'm telling you, He wants you to stop that more than you want to. But He won't make you. He won't butt in and demand you to do something. He's a gentleman. He'll speak to you. He'll show you what to do. He'll train you. What we're talking about today in regards to fear... Everybody's life is different. Everybody has a different form of fear that you deal with, but everybody deals with fear because you were born into it. What I mean by this is through the womb, through, through the womb, from the womb, through the birth canal and into the world, you were born into fear because of the world that we live in. But I'm telling you, fear does not have to riddle and rule your world because of Jesus Christ. Because see now I was born, I was born and, and delivered through my mother's birth canal, but now my identity is not with my first birth, my identity, my identity is with my second birth. I'm born of the Spirit of God. I was born a second time, and when I was born a second time. Now my identity is there and fear has no dominion over me. So I was telling you earlier, I'm not thinking about living to be 100. I'm not thinking about living to be 120. I'm just thinking about living. My meditation is on life. I'm here to live. I'm here to live strong. I'm here to live fulfilled. I'm here to live on top and not underneath. I'm here to live healthy and whole. And and I'm telling you, if we think that way, then death is not even a consideration. I think it's changing, but our society got us to buy retirement. To buy into retiring. And I'm not saying when you're done with something that you... You can't get out of one thing into something else, but instead of retiring, let's rehire and stay active and stay bold and stay aware and stay listening to God and, and, and all the things that God desires out of our life. I mean, there's a number of different things in life that you can do. You don't have to be stuck just doing one thing and then retiring because all retiring does is get you think about dying. I had a guy come to me about ordering my casket one time. Good thing I was born again. I've been a drop kicking that boy out of my house. My casket? Listen, and I I don't, I'm not against anything you prepared for or anything else, okay? Just, Just whatever. I'm just telling you. If you'll start thinking about living, things will change in your life. Because we want to be free from fear. No matter what. No matter what. And when you're free from fear, you can be so good at being a part of things. When you're not afraid, you can be so good at being a part of things. I mean, I, I'm really good at being a part of the election process, I'm good. I'm really good. I study up on it. I see what I'm I see about voting now. These last amendment things, I, I let that kind of slide a little bit. I, I had to call Lee and find out how he voted. But no, I'm, i I did. <laughs> uh, no, but but I'm telling you, I, I'm really good. I I like to be a part of the process. And in the end, and in the end. Whoever gets in office does not affect me, positive or negative. That's not where my faith is. But I'm a part of it because God said to be a part of it. Be a part. Honor honor Caesar stuff. But above all things, honor God. So I'm going to do both. Man, I'm good. When they send me a letter and they they, they want my support, I want to know what you believe. When I find out what you believe, if you believe the way I believe or close enough or whatever, then more than likely I'm going to lean towards that vote if that's what you really believe. But I want to know if that's what you really believe or if you're just trying to buy my vote. I want to know. So I'm good at that. There's a lot of things that I'm good at being a part of because I'm not in fear. I went to a Republican state convention one time, and I came away from it, well, I don't think I'll tell you what I came away from it feeling like, but I tell you, I, had to, I felt like I need to go shower, and you know why? Because of the fear that was in that convention and the ugly talk about people, I mean, people that didn't believe what they believed, and I mean, bashing, bashing, bashing. I mean, it was horrible. And I thought, I can't ever do that again because it goes against the word. And it was, it was so riddled by fear. It was so much fear. You could feel it in the air. If you, you know, uh, you know, I'm not here to talk about if you're a Republican or a Democrat. I've been just telling you at the time I was a Republican and, and still am a Republican and I went to that convention. I didn't go to the Democratic convention because I wasn't a Democrat. But I'm telling you, that's the way it was there. But That doesn't change me obeying the Word and being a part of the process. Did you hear what I said? But I'm not going to be in fear. I'm not going to let what other people think and do cause me to be afraid. Somebody sent me an email. A friend of mine sent me an email the other day talking about that in the next 15 years there's going to be 100 million Muslims in the United States. I mean, he was just, the, the, the email was riddled in fear. And I called him and I talked to him on the phone. I said, well, you know what? Think about it like this. If that's so, then we don't need to travel anywhere to evangelize. We can just do it right here at the house a hundred million muslims that don't believe in jesus because i believe in jesus and i believe jesus is the only way (laughs) then we'll just evangelize all those that come here right i mean it just depends on how you look at it so we're going to be afraid of that then we don't really believe in what we have and in the same email he talked about in some courthouse in, in 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 a city in texas here that they shut the manger scene down. The Muslims did. Well, you know, he didn't know the whole story and I don't know the whole story and whatever, but I'm for things like that not happening and I'm going to do my part in it but that's not going to take away from the anointing in my life to minister life to other people and it's not going to keep me From not being in fear. I refuse to be afraid. Because it robs me of everything. And I'm telling you, there are 101 opportunities for each and every one of you every day to be afraid. And God so loved you that He sent Jesus to deliver you. And to deliver you of all fear. Now, turn to Luke chapter 1 and I'm going to read two stories and drive my point home today. <clears throat> Verse 5, there was in the days of Herod the king Of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of God blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot failed to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and what? Fear fell upon him. Fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. Now fear gripped him, The angel of the Lord told him to not fear. Then he says in verse 14, And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit of the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of, uh, of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. In other words, that's impossible. At, my, at our age, there's no way that my wife is going to have a child. No way. Fear gripped his heart. Angel of the Lord told him not to not be afraid, and fear continued to grip his heart. He did nothing with it angel said to him, I'm Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and to bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and you'll not be able to speak. And on and on. Why? Because of the fear that gripped his heart. Verse 26, second story. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, same angel, sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. She's 16 years old. She's not a woman yet. And the angel said, Blessed are you among women. She's born no children because she's not married. Blessed are you among women. What's the angel doing? He's prophesying and speaking by faith of what's going to happen. But when she saw him, she was troubled. It didn't say she was in fear. She was troubled. Why are you calling me a woman, number one, and why are you saying that I'm highly blessed and have favor above all of the women? That's what she was troubled about. And considered what matter of greeting that this was. She was troubled and considered it. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, because, you know, uh, if an angel's standing there talking to you, you, you know it's gonna it's gonna disrupt your emotions. You know if you you wake up, you know in the middle of the night tonight, and an angel's standing by your bed, and it, he, he's gonna tell you Gabriel's right there, and he's gonna tell you something. It's gonna startle you, right? He's not supposed to be in your room in a manifested form, right? So it's gonna startle you. So she was startled, but he said. To her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever in his kingdom. There, <clears throat> and in his kingdom, in his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? There's an honest question. That's not a fear-filled question. That's an honest question. She's asking an honest question deserving an honest answer. Zacharias, his his was a, a, a statement of unbelief because of the fear that was riddling his mind. Did you hear what I said? Angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son, son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. The angel says, for, nothing, for with God, nothing will be impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. Then Mary said, Behold... Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word, and the angel departed. Let it be to me according to the word of God. Let it be according to the word of God. Let it be according to the word of God. And what happened? Because fear did not grip her heart, she conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she she, she carried and delivered the Savior of the world. Why? No fear. You see the difference in the two? Well, but God would have just made that work. No, He's never made anything just work. It all has to go according to His Word. If Mary remains gripped with fear because she saw an angel, there's no conception. If you and I remain with fear in our lives, there's no conception of the Word. The Word will not become real and produce. The Word will not deliver for us if we remain in fear. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 4. 2 Timothy 1 and 4. This is Paul. It's his letter. Paul's letter to Timothy. Verse 3, he says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. Paul's mindful of Timothy's tears. Timmy's had some tough times. Things have been rattling him. Fear's been gripping his heart. Stuff has been attacking him. He's doubting whether the promises of God are real. The enemy's telling him that what he sees is more real than what God has promised. He's frustrated, and he's been weeping and crying. And Paul said, "I'm mindful of your tears. I understand what you're going through." Wednesday we talked. Uh, Wednesday night we read out of out of Second Corinthians about Paul's life, how he was he was beat and tortured and he was left for dead time and time again, and all these different things that happened to him, shipwrecked and all and all and all. And then he said, "And that that's that that is uh, all of that happened. But that didn't even include the day-to-day stuff that comes against us." And so, there were a lot of things, a lot of attacks against his life, but Paul said twice in the New Testament, of all these things, the Lord has delivered me. Of all the things that come against me, the Lord has delivered me. Why? Because Paul knew what he's fixing to say here. He knew it in his own life. What he's telling Timothy right here, he knew, and this is what he said. He said, I'm mindful of your tears in verse 4 that I may be be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. He said, first it was in his grandmother and then in his mother, and and he's persuaded that it's in him still because Paul was there at his salvation, and Paul was around and has helped and has helped to build him over the years to build Timothy and to sow into him. And he said, I'm persuaded in the faith that's in you. But he's weeping. He's crying. He's been going through some difficult times. He sees some things not happen that he thought would happen. And the enemy's trying to doubt him, get him to doubt that what God has promised he's able to perform. I'm telling you today, God has already performed everything he's going to perform. And in your life, your job is to have the faith that's in you grow and develop. The verse that we're leading to is verse 7 here, but Paul didn't mention verse 7 without talking to Timothy first about the faith that was in him. Look at verse 6. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. Wednesday night, as we laid hands, And we prophesied and we spoke. What we were doing was stirring up the gift in a number of you that was already on the inside of you. The gift of faith. Everybody's been dealt the same measure of faith. And the gift of faith that's inside of us, that it was given to us by God, has to be developed. It won't work just because God gave it to us. It's got to be developed. And then he says in verse 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear what did Mary say so be it according to your word I'm telling you today from God's Word he hasn't given you a spirit of fear what has to be your response not just a one-time thing but a day-to-day through your action is through your actions your response has to be this Lord the situation I'm in doesn't make sense, like Mary. It didn't make sense that she was blessed above all women when she really wasn't a woman. She was a young girl. She wasn't married, didn't have children, and she was highly favored above everybody else. It didn't make sense, that part of it. And how is it going to be that I'm going to bear a child when I'm not even married? She was engaged at the time, but she wasn't married. How am I going to have a child when I'm not even married yet? Honest question. But when the angel told her from the Lord how it was going to be, she said, so be it according to your word. So I'm telling you today, everybody sitting in here today is in the same boat in one way or another. Everybody is different, but yet we're all the same in the same boat. And I'm telling you, everybody is dealing and battling with some form of fear whatsoever. And you will all your life. We're in a constant overcoming position. If we're embracing and we're developing our faith, we're drawing close to God. David said, as he drew near to God, he was convinced that God heard him and God delivered him from all of his fears. Right. Yeah. By faith, I am delivered from all fear. It doesn't mean that a fear is not going to attack, some fear thoughts not going to attack my mind by something that I'm going through in the future or, or even today or even, even this morning that there wasn't fear thoughts everybody deals with, if you're if you're if you're acting like they're not there then you're in denial and so you're in presumption and not really developing real faith Paul's focus for Timothy was the faith is in you you've been weeping and crying you've gone through some tough stuff you've been doubting whether things are really gonna happen like I told you they were gonna happen I'm telling you they're going to happen But when I come and I meet with you, Paul's saying, I'm going to lay my hands on you. And right now in this letter, I'm I'm releasing and stirring you up, stirring the gift up on the inside of you. And and by the Spirit, he was laying his hands on him through this letter. And he's saying to you, God has not given you a spirit of fear. So in essence, what he's telling Timothy, that Timothy, what needs to come out of your mouth is, so be it, according to the Word of God. So be it. If God hasn't given me fear, then I don't have to receive it, I don't have to operate in it, and it will not control my life. But, but, it's not just that. God hasn't given us fear, but He's given us a plethora of different weapons at our disposal, right? So what He's given us in this verse of Scripture says, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but He's given us a spirit of power, A spirit of love and a spirit of a sound and a well-balanced mind. Give give me that in the uh, Amplified real quick. For God did not give us a spirit of what? Timidity, of cowardice or craven and cringing and fawning fear. (laughs) But, everybody say but. Okay, so it's not enough that he just didn't give that to me. Okay, He, he didn't give me fear so I resist fear. But you're not going to resist fear in your own ability. You've got to resist fear. He has given us a spirit of power and a spirit of love and a spirit from the Spirit of God, a spirit of a calm and a well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. Someone shout amen to that. What you've got to shout and declare is so be it, Lord, according to Your Word. So be it. According to your word. No fear, but instead, when my mind wants to be confused, no, 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 I resist that. No, I have a calm, a well balanced mind who, and as a result of that, I think straight, I have the mind of Christ, I think the thoughts of God, and I will not let fear tell me that what's not happening or, or, What appears like it's not going to come to pass in my life is not going to come. I'm not letting the enemy do that. See, if we're going to do this life by faith, then we have to operate those principles. Otherwise, you need to be busy working it out yourself. I promise you. And there's days when your head will tell you you could work it out a whole lot better than God could. Because I'll just go fix it. See, living by faith is not doing something. Living by faith is not living a life where you're not doing anything. Living a life of faith is living your every day, drawing closer to God, and then what He tells you to do, you do it. Huge difference. What's difficult is taking the time to get where we believe, like David did, that he hears us. Well, God just lost my phone number. Well, okay, I've been there, done it. Been there, done it. The financial thing that I went through, trying to fix that thing in the beginning was even a worse mistake and God had to show me you can't get out of this thing you can't deal with this unless you hear from me it was the greatest lesson I've ever learned in my life ever bar none well see God put you no no no, no. no don't put anything on God I put myself there I made the choice God did not create you to be afraid, and if you're afraid, nobody made you be afraid. Well, but somebody came and scared you, but you still chose to be afraid of the scare. I mean, you, you know, we, we, we can argue the point all day long. Nobody can make you be afraid. You were not created to fear. You were not created to die, and you were not created to be afraid of death. And today, my word to you is as Mary said, so be it according to your word. We are people today that are declaring, so be it, Lord, according to your word. Fear has no dominion, no authority, and no power over me. I resist it in Jesus' name. Can you say amen to that? I want want to read this verse, and and I I wasn't going to read it, but I am. It's Romans 8 and verse 14 and 15. I just want to read these two verses, and then I'll be done. And it says this. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of, what did we just read? Of fear. And what did Hebrews say? That the fear of death kept... Humanity in bondage all their life. That's Hebrews 2, 14 through 16. All their life they were in bondage. Why? Because of the fear of death. He said, you did not receive the spirit of bondage or the fear that leads to bondage again to fear. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom or by which we cry, Abba, Father. Oh, Daddy. Oh, man. Man. I mean, and just talking to him like that. Going before God and just saying, Daddy, man, I am scared out of my wits. I am afraid of this situation, and it appears like it's getting the best of me. I mean, it seems like I'm being overcome. I can't get out of this thing. I need help. And most of the time, you know what he's gonna say to you? You're not listening to me. Slow down, back the truck up, you know, listen to me, and then I'll show you what to do because right now you're in a place of toil. And Proverbs says when you're toiling, you're not depending on the blessing of God for what you do. So we gotta get out of toiling so we find ourselves working listen when you're working for the lord when you're doing what god's told you to do most of the time you're a busy person living by faith in god is not just sitting around just waiting for god to do something no you're actively learning to be confident that he hears you and that you do what he tells you and if you do what he tells you to do the way he tells you to do it You'll be blessed in everything you do. Everything. 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 Today, I'm telling you that fear has no dominion over you. It has. It doesn't.